every Arizona homeowner's best friend. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. Hard living is the life for me. Come on around back, Arizona. It is Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, the outdoor living hour, your Saturday morning tradition since 1988. It is the fourth Saturday of the month, which means we've got Farmer Greg talking urban farming, and he's got a special guest lined up. It's actually a company and a resource Farmer Greg has mentioned, I don't know, six, seven, eight times over the year. Farmer Greg of the urbanfarm.org. Why don't you introduce your guest? Thank you. Thank you for having me. I, you know, I love the voice that you guys are giving local food. Uh, and so I appreciate that. Thank you. So Zach Brooks is the owner and founder of the Arizona Worm Farm in Phoenix, Arizona. His 10 acre sustainable off-grid farm uses waste byproducts to grow food and produce and make worm castings and compost. Zach earned an MBA and has completed his master's course work in sustainability from Arizona State University School of Sustainability. Zach is a leader in the International Worm Farm Alliance and directs the annual Worm Business Conference, teaching worm farmers all over the world how to have productive worm businesses. And this is the thing I love about Arizona Worm Farm is your place in Phoenix to get worms, worm casting, compost, soil, tea, and so much more. Um, welcome, Zach. I love having you, and thanks for joining us. It's absolutely my pleasure. I've listened to Rosie on the House for uh, what feels like 40 years, so it's exciting <laughs> to be on here. It could be that long, well, almost. Yeah. All, almost. Well, thanks for being a listener, and uh, glad to have you on the air with us. So tell us about your, your project there. You're, you're like a real-life Lloyd and Harry. Exactly. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm dumb or dumber, but uh, we got about two million worms out here on the farm. The Arizona Worm Farm is a an exercise in sustainability. We're trying to see if we can turn sunshine, rainwater, and other people's garbage into food, shelter, and entertainment for ourselves. Um, it takes a, a number of people to make that happen. And so uh, we have settled on worms and worm castings and compost as a revenue source to help us pay for all the things that that we want to do. Uh, we have a couple of million worms here at the farm uh, that turn garbage into the world's best fertilizer. Um, we make a pretty good compost and a pretty good soil mix. Uh, and we grow lots and lots of fruits and vegetables. And we'd love for folks to come down and see us and get some worms and castings and compost and, and take a walk around the farm and see what we're doing. Well, I have awesome. a neighbor who's also one of our partners. He does our first furniture restoration and he's recently retired uh, Irwin's furniture and his sons have taken over the business and he <clears throat> likes to also travel on weekends now that he's retired but he went down to Arizona worm castings and he's got enough I kid you not he has no less than two dozen container guards now throughout his lawn and he always calls he's like hey can the kids come water for me this weekend and he does it all by hand so it's like a two-hour project wow. to water for him <laughs> But that's just what he loves to do with his time now. Nice. It's, we're finding lots and lots of folks are container gardening, raised beds, gardening in the ground. Uh, it's a, um, if you do it right, it's a really affordable way to get great quality fruits and vegetables directly out of your backyard. Um, and uh, it, it, there, there, it, there's just no downside to it. Uh, uh, 
when you come out here, you'll see, and we'll talk about the fact that using uh, worm castings and worms is absolutely the laziest way to get the best soil possible. And uh, so we love, we love lazy man gardening. We love uh, the, the fact that he can leave for, for days or weeks at a time and just have somebody keep an eye on them and water them. Um, that, that's a really good sign. Um, it means that our compost and our castings are doing what they're supposed to do. And what, awesome. what makes a worm casting so special? So uh, let's talk basic high school science. Um, in order to get good growth, plants need the stuff we call detritus, stuff that falls down out of trees and leaves and, and, and leftover organic material. That organic material needs to be converted into nutrients that your plants can use. Worm castings, aside from adding some nitrogen and phosphorus and other essential minerals, contains lots and lots of microbes. Those microbes convert what's in the soil into what your plants need at the exact time that your plants need them. And beyond that, your plants will talk to those microbes through a process called exudates, and they'll tell the microbes what nutrients they need, and they'll help grow more of the microbes that'll produce more of the nutrients that the plants need. So worm castings introduce the, the, the biology that converts what's in the soil into what the plants need at the time they need it. So instead of commercial fertilizers, oil-based for the most part, which um, pass by the roots on their way to pollute our water table, um, where, you, where the plants can maybe take 10 or 15 or 25% of that fertilizer and actually make use of it, the biological activity that, that worm castings produce happens at the root level, can't burn your plants, never pollutes the water table. And it produces just this slow IV sort of drip um, food at the time that the plants need it. Uh, so it's, a, it's just a really good way of organically growing stuff. Um, and if you put your own worms in your own garden with your own waste, you never have to buy anything else. That's that pretty cool, cool. right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So just for clarity, for people that don't know, worm castings are worm poop. That's exactly right. So you got to get a lot of worms to create a lot of castings, which is why you have over 2 million, you said? We do. Um, and How, uh, if how long did it take you to count that? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting sideline, but, but what we do is we, we regularly, routinely check our worm wedges. And we'll actually pull a square foot of wedge. We'll count the number of worms that are in it and then apply that math. Um, worms are self-limiting animals, which means uh, if they don't have enough food or they don't have enough space, they'll stop making babies. And so we can track the density wow. of our wedges as they kind of go up and down. Um, but we get more or less 800 worms per square foot of surface area. Wow. And the wedges are... Uh, basically piles of compost that you add food into that then the worms work their way through? Yeah, that's exactly right. We pre-compost pre the food waste just for commercial efficiency. Mm -hmm. You don't need to do that in your home. In your home garden, you can just throw in uh, green waste and, and brown waste and, and they do fine. But we pre-compost it. We add about two inches of uh, pre-composted food waste to every surface area in all of our outdoor wedges. Um, we do it on a single side and the worms will move across the face of the wedge. They'll eat the food. 
um, and that we move them a quarter of an inch at a time. And then we come back five, six, seven months later, and what's left on the other side of the wedge is as close to pure worm poop as we can get, um, which we call castings. We screen and make it available to people to take home and use in their gardens. And what we find both here at the farm and in our customers' backyards is that the right combination of compost and worm castings or worms produces really abundant organic growth um, that's both healthy to eat and healthy to the for our planet and way simpler than having your soil tested all the time and trying to figure out how to balance all the various nutrients that you need to, to get right for healthy growth. And so the, the show today is all about composting. And, and in the past, we've talked about thermophilic composting and other different kinds of composting. But I'm pretty sure that if all you have is kitchen scraps, the best way to do it is with worms, right? Yeah, of course. Um, I, I'm the owner and founder of the Arizona Worm Farm. I'm a tad bit biased. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not biased. And if all you have is kitchen scraps, get yourself a worm bin. Uh, so hot composting, thermophilic composting, mm-hmm. requires a critical mass of, of nitrogen and carbon, greens and browns. And it requires the right amount of water, the right amount of turning, and the right amount of babysitting. It can be done in your backyard. It's not hugely complicated, but it's not idiot simple. And um, I like things that are idiot simple. Worm (laughs) composting is in fact idiot simple. And you can do it with very, very small amounts of kitchen scraps or large amounts of kitchen scraps. We still want you to balance the kitchen scraps with a, a carbon source. And a carbon source is anything that used to be a tree. And at my house, if your house is like my house, the best source of carbon is Amazon boxes. Feels like two or three of them show up every single day. All right. With strips, you soak them in water overnight. They tear up really easily and the worms eat them like crazy. This is why I love doing these kinds of things, Romy. It didn't even occur to me that 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 you could do that. I have a whole bunch of Amazon boxes and moving boxes so yay yeah and the worms the worms absolutely love cardboard it's one of their favorite things to eat you know to be to be really frank uh cities are just not always doing a great job recycling you know you you can be diligent about getting your stuff into the recycle bin but depending on the economies of who's buying and what's buying you can't always be sure that your products are being recycled if you slice up your amazon box and, and you put them in your garden your worms will turn them into food for your tomatoes you'll get bigger, healthier, stronger tomatoes, and you'll know that your garbage got thrown away properly. And do you just throw the cardboard out on the dirt, or do you have to put some dirt on top of it? Uh, where, do you, where do you put the cardboard after you soak it? We recommend that you have a, a, a place in your garden where you feed your worms, both greens and browns. Uh, a separate section of your garden, a foot around or, or, or not much more than that, depending on how big your family is. Um, we, 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 we dig out about a foot and we put in a, a whole bag of worms. We sell them in the gallon container, six, seven, 800 worms plus their habitat. And then we layer in greens and browns. And greens are all those food scraps that Greg was talking about. Anything that you ate, the worms like to eat. And then we put on top of that browns mulch, leaves, shredded paper, shredded cardboard. We just put that on top. Uh, the, the soap stuff works better. 
All right, now, hang tight real quick. We can do a lot here at Rosie on the House, but we can't stop the clock. We'll continue our worm conversation here in the Urban Farm segment of Rosie on the House. Say there's a worm at the bottom of the garden, and his name is Wiggly Woo. Come on, let's wiggle, everyone! All right, we are right in the middle of a conversation with Farmer Greg of the Urban Farm and Zach Brooks of Arizona Worm Farm. And Zach was explaining how to feed your worms, and they love cardboard, and you have a separate section in your garden. But, Zach, if we've got an orchard. I mean, if I wanted to do this to the orchard, I have to do, like, one section under each tree is what was my takeaway from your how you were describing feeding your worms. Would that be correct? It gets um, a l- slightly harder in Arizona orchards. Uh, we're going to tell you that you you don't want uh, one of those neat manicured kinds of, of lawns like are in the background of Greg's absolutely spectacular house. Um, we want <laughs> in you to North have Carolina. Of, in North Carolina. In North Carolina. We want you to have lots of stuff. So we want you to have mulch um, covering all the bare ground. And as long as it's connected, the worms and the microbes will move across that mulch layer across that compost layer, and they'll help um, put worms in that entire area. And I'll tell you, um, so we have a self-guided tour down here at the at the Arizona Worm Farm. You can come down and watch. We have a one-acre food forest where we grow up. We have right now 118 different varieties of fruit trees that are all growing. This used to be a cotton field, and the way you farm cotton in Arizona is you drench the soil in an herbicide, uh, and then you plant genetically modified cotton starts, nothing else can grow. Well, we took that area, we put mulch over the whole thing, we put some worms down, and now we're getting extraordinary growth and lots and lots of fruit. But the short answer to your question is we want you to put in one or two habitats, depending on the size of your of your orchard, and we want you to connect it with um, a layer of organic compost or mulch. And if you do that, one worm habitat will cover the whole thing. Wow. Now, if you have them separate, you are going to want to have separate worm habitats or else um, we make uh, we have both worm castings and worm castings tea that we make. Come on down to the farm, get some and just spread it out where you go. Well, and I know, Greg, you wanted to get into microbes. Is this yeah. that the, the correct term we're talking about here? Well, and really the solution for our food growing challenges more often than not is really healthy soil underneath the plants. Because if you have healthy plants, just like if we have a healthy body, we're less susceptible to bugs and pests and disease. And that's one of the really cool things that worms do for us, right, Zach? Yeah, so worms eat our garbage. Uh, They have very tiny mouths, so they wait for it to break all the way down. They um, They consume that material when it starts to to break down and what they poop out and what comes out is is a variety of microbes. Um, Really common ones that folks, the the most common one uh, that folks hear about is mycorrhiza. And mycorrhiza is a fungi that extends the reach of roots on plants. And so here in Arizona, um, it's particularly important to take advantage of every bit of water, every place that you possibly can. And to get your roots, you want your roots on all your plants to go deep and you want them to, to spread out. So uh, adding microbes um, adds the organic um, uh, organisms, which will convert, again, that organic material into what your plants needs but will also do all of the things that the plant needs to to make it healthy and and strong. 
Um, it will, as Greg points out, produce a slow organic growth. Um, it contains enzymes, which actually tells the plants that there are pests present before they're there. And so they'll strengthen themselves from the inside out. Uh, when you, the, my, my favorite analogy, uh, when you walk out into the forest and you see lots and lots of trees and everything growing and everything healthy, nobody fertilized that. Nobody went out there with miracle Grow and put pellets down and nobody got ammonia sulfate. Um, it just, it, that stuff grows. And, and nobody raked up the leaves and hauled them off to a dump. And that's really important. Picking Arizona, uh, you want every piece of bare soil you possibly can covered. I, I know I've listened to, to Greg talk about this a lot, but you can grow things like uh, sweet potatoes and, and squash and cow peas. You can grow things that grow that help you cover the ground, but you can also let all that stuff that falls, just leave it there. Um, that will feed the worms and the worms will feed your soil. Um, but the, 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 the biology, the way that happens is with an abundance of helpful microbes. And those microbes will exist in the soil and they'll exist on the leaves. Um, microbes are the, are the thing that will help um, our trees thicken their leaves during the summertime to protect themselves from the sun. Um, they're the things that will uh, take that, those, the coffee grounds that we throw into our, into our gardens and convert it into usable nitrogen for the plants uh, when the plants need them. And it's that easy. Yeah, it really is. And that's the part that gets me the happiest um, is that right. worms are, uh, worms make for uh, set it and forget it gardening. Mm -hmm. um, in Arizona, you need to be on top of watering frequently, but if you have worms in your garden and if you, if you just put your garbage in the garden, um, the worms will convert that into what the plants need when they need it. And you don't have to do anything else. You don't have to worry about fertilizing. Um, just let them, just leave them alone and let them do the work. <laughs> and, like, and that goes back to what, you know, Greg has said before, you know, like, I like to be a lazy gardener. And if you've got the worms out there doing the work for you, what, how much better could you ask for? Right. And it's and, free and labor. Beyond that, the whole, um, and yeah, they'll till the soil, but the whole, the, the, the so in, in my house, before we got our own backyard worm composting process. Okay, we, we will start right there after bottom of the hour news break, Zach Brooks' own backyard. Stay tuned. Continuing our conversation on another beautiful Arizona Saturday morning with Greg Peterson of the Urban Farm and Zach Brooks of the Arizona Worm Farm. And uh, if Zach was going into an example specifically in his own personal backyard and the use of worm castings. Yeah, so Romy, the, the, the point I was going to make is in, in my house, before we got our worm bin, my wife would package our garbage. Everything went into a plastic bag and it got sealed and it got taken out and, and it was... Uh, it, it, not an idiot simple process, but not hugely complicated. We now, instead of packaging it and tying it up in a pretty knot in a plastic bag, it just simply goes out the back door and gets scraped into a, uh, our raised bed um, habitat. Uh, easier, I think. I never have to take the garbage out because uh, the worms consume it and we eat 
our garbage through tomatoes and carrots and, and peppers and eggplants and, and, and things like that. So I think composting with worms is in fact easier than getting garbage out to your municipal waste area. And you had mentioned soaking cardboard boxes, whether it's an Amazon box or whatever delivery box that came in cardboard. Could you then do that, like say with a cereal box or uh, a Ziploc bag box or, you know, does that ink on those boxes play a factor or does the worm take care of all of that and purify it? Yeah, worms are worms don't have a brain, but they're incredibly smart. Uh, they'll stay away from <laughs> Yeah, they'll stay away from this stuff until I just they finally figured out my animal identity. <laughs> <laughs> and what's that? A worm. <laughs> Romy's a worm, folks. <laughs> but now so, it, it, the um, composition of a worm, it, a worm has eight hearts. Is that true? Yeah, they have four boy parts, and I mean, they have four girl parts and two boy parts. So yeah, they do have lots of hearts. The the biggest internet misconception I ever heard is that if you cut a worm in half, those eight oh, hearts yeah. get the ability to to both have both sides live. That's a lie. If you cut a worm in half, you get two sides of a dead worm. But they, well, they yeah, they have uh, eight hearts. They have uh, the ability to lay up to four eggs in a single cocoon. Um, and we use that here at the worm farm. We breed between fifty and 70,000 worms a week here for sale in the valley. And are these the type of worms you would take out with grandpa to go fishing on the weekend as well? No, no. Actually, this is a specific composting worm um, that turns out to not be a very good uh, fishing worm. Another fun worm fact. But um, red wigglers, which are really good composters, uh, actually will give off a scent when they're in danger. So I've seen videos where somebody has a red wiggler on a hook, a fish comes close to it, it puts off a little scent, and the fish will actually go away. Wow. So you want to fish with night crawlers, um, not with our composting worms. Okay. Who knew yes. there was so much snow about worms? Exactly. So let's talk about how easy it is to actually have a worm bin at your house. In fact, one of the first things that I did – within a week of arriving here at our new place in North Carolina is I went out and found a worm bin so that I could start composting my, my kitchen scraps. So tell us about that. And you guys give classes on it, right? We do. We have classes both in indoor and outdoor composting with worms. Here in Phoenix, outdoor composting with worms is pretty easy if you do it in your garden. Mm -hmm. um, but if you live in an apartment or you live in a house where you want to actually grow your own castings, there's three or four different varieties of uh, commercially available worm bins. Um, we happen to be really big fans of a product called the Urban Worm Bag, uh, which is a very, very simple way of, of composting. If you come down here at the farm, we'll show you how to how to do it. Um, you can put it inside your, your laundry room or the back of your kitchen. If you do it properly, they don't smell, the worms don't wander, and they'll actually consume all your, all your garbage. But it's as simple as uh, here at the farm, our favorite way of indoor bin is just with a 17-gallon tote you can pick up at, at Lowe's or Home Depot. They used to be 8 bucks, now they're 15 um, but it's not, a, it's not expensive. And we put um, some worm habitat in there and some compost and some worms, and, and the worms do great. Um, we'll teach you how to harvest castings. Really, really simple process just involves putting food on one side of the bin and attracting the worms to that bin and harvesting from the other side. Uh, they do need to be fed your food scraps on a regular basis. Uh, they need to be watered about twice a week here in the valley in the air conditioning 
drives them out. But that's all the care that they need. They you don't have to take them for walks. They don't need to be groomed. Um, they're they're just really simple. Um, they will eat all your garbage, and they'll turn that garbage into fertilizer for your lawns. And and I would suggest to you that even if you live in a tiny apartment, um, there there's room for a worm composting uh, bin. And you can use that bin on your house plants or on something that's growing outside. Um, it, it'll make your garbage disappear. Well, I even, uh, you know, we were getting buckets from a local restaurant when I was in Phoenix, and I used to stack two buckets, put holes in the bottom of one, the top bucket, and used a paint, uh, you know, the paint straining bags from, you know, the hardware store. Mm -hmm. Put some worms and food waste and cardboard in there. And uh, the water drains out the bottom and, you know, it, it can be that simple, right, Zach? And that cheap. Those buckets, uh, restaurants give away those buckets. The worms don't care. They, yeah. They're not impressed by your mansion or not. Any kind of dirt, the, the worms do fine. Any kind of, of garbage. We don't feed them meat and cheese because it takes a long time to, to decompose far enough for the worms to eat them. But the worms will even eat that. Well, that Yay. wouldn't be a problem at my house. That's one thing we never have a leftover of. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> So let's talk about Arizona Worm Farm and what you do there, because it's a pretty, well, I, I don't know that I've ever said this to you, Zach, but I've said this publicly before, and that's, you've done my dream project in Phoenix. What you're doing there, it's like mind-blowing. It's uh, if, if I had the time and energy, that's what I've done. And so 10 acres, and we're driving up the driveway. Tell us about it. So uh, what you're going to see, we have about six acres of hot compost because uh, many people struggle with getting hot composting right in their backyard. If you mm -hmm. have a small yard or you don't have uh, the time or the energy, we make compost for you. And we make a pretty good quality compost that we're pretty proud of. You're going to drive up a, a drive that's lined with citrus trees part of the 120-ish or so fruit tree varieties that we have on the farm. We have our, uh, our food forest, which is designed to have something giving fruit every single day of the year. Now, you nice. may not be able to get an orange every single day of the year, but um, if you go out there today, you can get figs and you can get pomegranates, Armenian cucumbers, and you can have some, some piece of fruit every single day of the year. We have two acres of urban gardens uh, where we grow a variety of vegetables, uh, mostly for us to eat, um, some of which we sell and the rest of it we give to the local food banks. And then you're going to see two acres of worm composting operations where you can actually come and watch and see how we feed worms and how we screen and produce those castings. And uh, we have a classroom area uh, where we do regular classes on introductory gardens, um, specifics on how to take how to grow and 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 take care of things like um, uh, tomatoes and and um, peppers and eggplants and and things like that, and then we have our um, our black soldier fly operations and our hens. I started growing worms because I wanted hens and I wanted a protein source for the hens, and I found that the hens would eat more worms than I could grow. And so we went to something else. And so we produced black soldier fly and black soldier fly larvae, which are tremendous composters, very rapid reproducers. And they produce a protein, a 40% protein, 10% uh, food organically for our chickens. So we produce our own chicken feed um, here on the farms. And again, those are things you can come see. You can see how we grow the, how we grow the flies. Um, you can feed them to our chickens yourself. 
and uh, they produce a world-class egg that, that we're quite excited about. Well, that was a question I had in the back of my mind because we do have chickens, and would they eat all the worms if I put them out in the orchard? And it sounds like that answer is yes. Again, uh, without a brain, a worm is a remarkably smart animal, and so the worms will um, get as deep as they can to get away from predators. But if you have if you have chickens, particularly if you have many chickens, you're better off buying castings or our worm compost tea, which we brew every Saturday morning. Uh, it will produce the same effect without having the actual worms. So if if you're one of these people that feels like worms are are icky and you, you don't want to have them in your yard, um, if you feel like that composting process is too complicated or or too messy or too smelly, we'll do it for you. Um, you can come down here and get the the castings, the teas, the compost. We have that all available. Um, uh, all available for you. Let's talk just for a second about our um, hot composting process. At the Arizona Worm Farm, we process about 120 cubic yards of food waste every single week. And we get that food waste from an organic salad producer that bags fruits and vegetables for grocery stores. Wow. So everything that doesn't go in that bag that gets sold at the grocery store comes to us. The outsides of, of cantaloupes and watermelon, the lettuce leaves, it's the shavings off of carrots. All that stuff comes to us at the Arizona Worm Farm. Um, we combine that organic fruit and vegetable waste with um, pre-composted horse manure, which we get here from local stables, um, and from uh, landscape waste that comes from the City of Phoenix Waste Diversion Program. So the City of Phoenix brings us that uh, landscape waste, and we layer in the, the landscape waste mulch that we get from the city, horse manure, and organic um, fruit and vegetable waste. We add basalt dust for mineralization, and we, we turn it and we wet it, we take it through three separate heat cycles to make sure that it kills all the pathogens and weed seeds and, and stuff like that. And then we let it cure for between six and nine months. And, and that process we go through for you so you don't have to compost in your backyard. Now, if you have the space and you have the time and the energy, we also have classes in how to do your own composting, which is absolutely the best composting possible. Um, we, well, you had mentioned horse manure, and that was another question I was going to ask if it organically fit in, because we have uh, 10 horses, and we have no shortage of horse manure to use. And a lot of people are like, you can't compost it, it's too acid. I'm like, no, if you let it sit there and let them urinate on it, it will be. But if you're able to get uh, the road apples before they get turned into the stall, they're actually recycled alfalfa in Bermuda. Yeah, it's, you know, Romy, what comes out of the back end of a horse looks an awful lot like what goes into the front end of the horse. The horse, <laughs> no. they don't process it all that much. And so what you're getting is is a, a pre-composted uh, hay or grain or, or, or feed product. It composts brilliantly well. Um, and uh, if you're feeding them, uh, again, that's the very best way to, to get compost for your, for your orchards and your gardens. Combination of, uh, of nitrogen source, which that manure is absolutely a nitrogen source with some sort of carbon source. And frankly, the bedding that most people use in their horse stalls is, is, a, is a readily available compost um, material. But all of the branches and trees and leaves that fall off of your orchard trees can go into that composting process. And it produces a really good quality feed um, for, your, for your plants. 
Sustainability. Uh, We've got one more segment with uh, the Urban Farm and Arizona Worm Farm right after this. Well, we mentioned sustainability going into the break. You should hear what Mr. Zach Brooks' vision was about sustainability during the break. Zach, share, share your vision. Greg and I were both just blown away. Yeah. Well, the, um, my North Star on this is uh, 10 families on 10 acres using just sunshine, rainwater, and other people's garbage. And so we actually did a project here at the farm where we built a straw bale tiny house fully sustainable material. So it uses straw and mud from the farm and and just rainfall. We put in a solar implementation for that to see if we could, in fact, get to the point where 10 families could live on this 10 acres without leaving the property. So we had fruits and vegetables and protein sources, enough things so that we could live here on the property without leaving in a fully sustainable manner where we weren't negatively impacting and, in fact, were positively impacting the ground that we that we live on. And so that's, that's part of the experiments that we have going on here is to see um, how how close we can come to not only zero waste but negative waste and 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 I'm not interested in living in a in a in a grass hut and sweating in the summer and and freezing in the winter. I want it to be comfortable. But I think if you come down here to the farm and you take our self tour and you walk around and see some of the things that we've done, for example, we have a ground heated uh, tomato greenhouse that lets us grow tomatoes all winter long. Um, we put a series of pipes underground. We draw air, hot air in from the top of the greenhouse and we pump it underground. And then that ground releases that heat overnight. It uses two fans. If you have solar power driving those two fans, there's no fossil fuel at all. Greenhouse stays 20 to 30 degrees above ambient temperature all winter long. And that lets us grow tomatoes from September through May or June. Those are the types of experiments that we've got going that you can come see and watch and, and learn about um, that we're really, we're really excited about it. And, and at the heart of that, the worm is just a magnificent animal that helps us take that garbage and convert it into stuff that our plants love um, that will help your plants grow better. When one of the key pieces, and you've said it multiple times over the past hour, is adding lots and lots of organic material on top. And one of the things that uh, that happened for me at the urban farm while I was there, I was there 32 years, my garden beds in the front were two foot deep topsoil because what I had done over the past previous 30 years is I just kept adding compost and worm castings right to the top. And then I'd let the worms do the work. I have found that your first crop is your worst crop even if it's pretty good, and then they get better and better and better. If you keep um, improving your soil, gardening gets really easy. And I, Greg, I've been to your urban farm. I've seen, um, I've seen the regenerative processes. I've seen carrots grow all by themselves without doing anything except um, watering them, watering that area once around. And that's part of what we're trying to accomplish. We have, we have beds of onions and leeks and carrots and um, and cauliflower that just continually regenerate themselves. We let the we let some of the fruit seed, the seeds settle in the ground. The next time it's appropriate for them to come alive, they'll do that. And by continuing to just add to the organic material and the biology and the soil, gardening gets easier and easier and easier. I, I you know I. 
I have a house in North Phoenix and I'm one of those guys that spent $780 on a raised bed and soil and miracle Grow and all the fancy additives. And I got four sickly tomatoes and, yep. and they, you know, $250 a piece for those tomatoes that weren't, that, <laughs> that weren't any good. Um, I'm not a good gardener. I'm, I, but what I found was when I got good with soils, the gardening took care of itself. That if I just got the soil right and got out of the way, stuff grew and it grew fine. It doesn't mean we don't have shade. It doesn't mean we don't create microclimates. We do all that, that stuff. And where do people find you? Uh, we are at uh, 19th Avenue, south of Baseline, 8430 South 19th Avenue in South Phoenix. Uh, take any freeway to 19th Avenue and come south. Uh, and we've got a, a, a 10-acre farm um, that we'd love to have you come visit. Huh. And go visit. It is spectacularly amazing. I love, love, love what you guys do out there. And you Thank said you. it's a south self-tour. What are the hours for the self-tour? So uh, anytime we're open, you're welcome to come uh, come and visit. Uh, in the summertime, we're open from 7 to 2, mon- uh, Tuesday through Friday, and 7 to noon on Saturday. In the wintertime, we're open from 8 to 4, Monday through Friday, and from 8 until 1 on Saturday. Um, we have – so uh, you can follow us on Facebook at the Arizona Worm Farm. We have events. We have classes. We have some VIP tours if you want to – a, uh, a, a custom behind the scenes tour of the worm farm. We have that available um, as well. The self tours are free. Uh, the other ones we charge a couple of bucks for. Zach Brooks, Arizona Worm Farm. Thanks for spending your Saturday morning with us. And Greg Peterson of the Urban Farm, as always, thanks for uh, putting together a great hour with a great guest talking composting. Absolutely, absolutely. And your website is arizonawormfarm.com. Exactly. Thank you very much. And for information on the Urban Farm, check out urbanfarm.org. All our information on the podcast and the classes and our fruit tree program, that all continues even with me living in North Carolina. And I will see you all in October and January for fruit trees.